Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. On this show, we discuss and bring attention to a wide range of safety and security products and solutions that are available to both businesses and individuals. Uh, We work to keep people safe in both the digital world and the physical world. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. As a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995, and as a martial artist for over 20 years, I bring decades of both online and offline safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. To learn more about me, you can always visit my personal website at PeteCanavan.com. So thanks so much to our listeners for being here. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, and also our YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com. We appreciate you helping us spread the word about Safety Talk, uh, both online and in your social circles. So many of our guests uh, represent companies that offer various products and services that improve the security of businesses. Today's guest is different. Today's guest will be focused on helping you improve your personal safety and security by sharing knowledge that he acquired during his time in public service as a CIA officer. With all the craziness going on in the U.S. and elsewhere, with demonstrations and social unrest and riots, there really is no better time to learn what we are about to share with you. Now, during his time at the CIA, he discovered many, quote, spy skills that he felt deserved to be shared with the public to make them safer as well. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life. And the book contains information about how to improve your safety at home, while traveling, and as well as during your time online. He's appeared on many programs that you've most likely watched, including the Today Show, Dateline, Fox & Friends, and more. He currently runs his Spy Escape and Evasion Training School in Cedar City, Utah. Today, he'll be sharing some of his spy secrets with you, so get ready to learn some spy secrets. And with that, it's my pleasure to welcome Jason Hansen to Safety Talk. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thank you for having me, Pete. Sure, we're happy to have you on the show to you know talk about something that I'm also very passionate about, and you know that is what people can do to improve their own personal safety and security. You know, I help others every day through my business and through my teaching, and so it's you know it's great to have somebody on who's also passionate about keeping people safer in, in today's world. So, let's start off briefly by just uh, having you tell our audience a little bit about you and how you got started and sort of what set you down the path to make the decision to join the CIA. Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Northern Virginia, just a few miles outside of Washington, D.C. And so all those government agencies are, you know, pretty much in my backyard. And growing up, I always loved the quote unquote boy stuff of shooting guns, playing in the woods. Um, I'm an Eagle Scout and I didn't want a real job when I came out of college. So my very first job out of college was with a local police department. And then soon after I joined the agency, it was a wonderful place to work. They treat you great. So I, I have no complaints at all. I, uh, I had a, a good work life and still do. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So let's, let's dig a little bit deeper there in your time with the agency, and then we'll talk about what you're doing now, and, and we'll share some specifics with our listeners, all right? So what was the best part about working there? You know, the best you part about it, it so. well, I mean, it was, it was obviously, I love this country. That was the whole reason to join it is because, you know, I love freedom and serving this country but also all the training and all the things I learned. So I had some amazing mentors. And so, you know, growing up, you know, I liked guns. I thought I knew about safety, but you realize, whoa, you know, I I didn't know anything at all. So learning things about surveillance detection, 
learning about a base of driving, learning about firearms, learning about martial arts. It, you know, you get to learn from the best. So that was probably the part I enjoyed most is learning things that, you know, I thought I knew when I realized, you know, wow, I really didn't know anything at all. And I got to, you know, increase and improve my skills. And, you know, that's kudos to you for doing that. Cause a lot of people, they think, you know, I know things, you know, and, you know, I don't need to learn anymore. So going about it with a, you know, obviously an open mind and willingness to learn and improve yourself is, uh, is important, you know, and it's a sign of obviously intelligence. So, so, that was the best part. What was the worst part or the hardest part, I guess, of working there? Well, interestingly enough, it's a, you know, I was, I was single, but it is a single man's game. So again, going back to my mentors, I had all these wonderful guys who I joined the agency in 23. And so they were on their kind of tail end out and many of them were divorced or they hated their wife and kids. They didn't have good relationships with their families. So I did want to get married one day. I did want to have kids one day. And so I joined in 2003. I left in 2010 because I saw the writing on the wall. Like, you know, I could do this my entire life, but I would probably be single and alone and never have a family. Or I could leave, you know, start my own security and training business and that kind of thing. So it's, it's just, it's a lifestyle thing. What do you want to do? You know, some people, I have a, a great friend who's still there. He's single, never married, never kids, and he loves it. But as for me, I did want to have that family life. Well, it's, it's good that you recognize that early on because it is a demanding job, obviously. You know, you sort of are, you have to go when you are called upon, right? And that can obviously put a lot of strain on a marriage, on a relationship and, and on kids and things like that. And, you know, wanting to, you know, grow and, and have a family, you want to spend the time with them. You know, I have three children, as I, I see you do from looking at, you know, through your website there. And uh, you want to be able to, to be there for them. You know, you don't want to be an absentee dad where, you know, they barely know you. I have a friend that uh, his brother-in-law is in the, in the Navy. The guy is never home. He, he's on submarines. He's on boats. And, I mean, he's away from home six, eight months at a time. So, and then he comes home for two weeks and he's gone again. And it's been like that for like 10 years and I'm like, I can't believe this guy's still married. I mean, it's like, you don't even know your kids. You barely know your wife. You know what I mean? It's got to be really, really difficult. So uh, so I applaud you for that because, you know, raising a family is something that, you know, if you, if you want to do it, you got to do it. And uh, it's something that unless you've, until you've had kids, you can't really explain to somebody, right? <laughs> what it's like, so obviously they, they teach you a lot of things in the CIA and over the course of your tenure there, you learned some things that you obviously thought were important enough to share with other people that could ultimately make them safer. And so we're going to kind of get into the, the meat of this now and talk a little bit about some of those skills that you feel others may benefit from your experience and your, you know, learning them and, uh, and sharing them with, with the public. So how can, you know, and you talk about, you know, spy skills, you know, I, I title it a book uh, that, you know, normal, you know, regular everyday people that obviously don't have experience with either martial arts or government training or uh, being a, an agent uh, in the CIA or something like that. What are some of the things that um, you would say, like how regular people can use some of these, quote, spy skills to improve their safety, especially today, as, as I started to show off by saying the craziness going on everywhere, right? Sure. So, yeah, one of the most important things is called surveillance detection. 
So in spy world terms, let's say you're a spy and you're in Russia and you're going to meet, you know, the person, your asset, the person who's giving you secrets. So you would run what is called a surveillance detection route. And all that means is instead of going directly from point A to point B, you're going to make sure you're not followed to this meeting. So you may go to the grocery store first, you may go to Starbucks, you may go to Walmart, you may go to the gym, and then you may go to your meeting. So you go to those, you know, three, four, five different places to make sure you don't see the same cars, the same people, to make sure that you really don't have a tail. So it's called a surveillance detection route, SDR for short. Mm -hmm. So that's a critical skill because if you're followed, you lead someone to that meeting, then both you and the asset could be killed or imprisoned or whatnot. Well, here's a very simple example of how a woman uses to stay out of trouble. So she was in the uh, Macy's shoe department shopping for shoes. There was some weird, creepy guy there. So she says, all I did was go over to perfume. Well, about two minutes later, that guy showed up in the perfume department. Then she went over to look at clothes. And about two minutes later, he showed up in clothes. Then she went over to look at housewares or something. And two minutes later, same creepy guy shows up in housewares. Well, that point, she realizes she's being followed. You know, it's not a coincidence. He, you know, goes from place to place to place. Well, there just so happened to be a security guard nearby. So she walked up to the security guard, pointed this guy out. And as soon as she did that, this guy took out the uh, running out of the front door of Macy's. So she was able to run, you know, about a 10-minute surveillance detection route in Macy's to discover she was being followed and to make sure that that guy didn't follow her out in the parking lot. So anybody can run an SDR. And again, that's a very simple example. No, and that's a, that's a good point because, you know, initially when you're talking about it, people think, oh, okay, I'm driving here and there, but it's awesome that you pulled it right down into even just a single location or someplace like a mall or a store where, you know, if you're in a mall and you go to this store and then you go to that store and the same person is there, you're doing your own sort of mini SDR where it's helping you determine whether or not somebody could potentially be following you and then, you know, act accordingly by, you know, having somebody escort you to your car or reporting it to security or something like that. Uh, and it, it's a scary world we live in. And, you know, with so many people really, for lack of a better word, they, they really have no patience with others. They have very little bad coping skills. And so they're easily pissed off, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, you know, you look at somebody the wrong way anymore and all of a sudden they, they take it personally, you know, or it's like, hey, what are you doing looking at me, for? right? Or maybe they just say, you know what, I don't like that way that person was looking at me and they start following you. And so it's scary because this can happen to you being completely innocent in just the course of your normal day where it's going to the gym or the store or shopping at the mall. And uh, the key, and I think you would agree with me, Jason, is you've got to be aware of that. Right. So, I mean, if you're if you're shopping, but in between walking from here to there, you're not paying attention to what's around you or who's around you. And, you you know, you're checking your phone or you, you're commenting on something on Facebook or you're doing something and, you, you know, you, your head's buried down here uh, or you're just not paying attention. That's a very, very dangerous thing. And so I think going hand in hand with that is obviously the need or the the potential need for conducting some sort of surveillance detection route is going to stem from the fact that you've got to, first of all, be aware that you may be followed in the first place, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in, you know, going back on that, a lot of people don't believe me what I'm about to tell you, but I have a flip phone. I've never sent a text message in my life. So when I'm walking around the grocery store, when I'm walking around Home Depot, you know, my head is up, I'm looking around. 
And the beauty of running an SDR in the civilian world is that we can be obvious, meaning I can go take turns like crazy to see if his car is following me. In the spy world, you can't be that obvious. You need to blend and be natural because if you're being obvious in a spy world, they'll know that you're trying to detect surveillance and that'll out you as a spy. So you have to make it look very natural going shopping, going to Starbucks, going to the uh, you know, bank or whatever. But again, in our civilian world, if you think you're being followed home, just start taking random lefts and rights and see if that car is still following you. And if they are, obviously, you don't go home, you know, drive to the police department, call the police, call a friend, do whatever is appropriate. So because so many people have their head buried in a phone or have their head buried in some device, it's really easy to stand out by putting your head up and looking around because that criminal will think, hey, I'm going to attack these 500 people who have no idea what's going on. I'm going to leave this one person alone who's actually scanning and looking around. Right. And it's important because you don't want to be an easy, an, an easy target for them. And if you're not paying attention, you're an easy target. You know, if you're paying attention and you're able to detect somebody before they get to you, you obviously lose the allure as an easy victim. And most likely the, the criminal, the perpetrator is going to pass you over for somebody who is going to be an easier target. And I mean, that's just the way that, you know, victims are chosen a lot of times. They, they make themselves look like or act like an easy victim. And so that's something that a, that a criminal is going to pick on, up on right away. And it doesn't, it could be day, it could be night, it could be indoors, it could be outdoors. You want to make sure that you, you've got your head on a swivel, you're paying attention, and you're not distracted by all the things that we have that distract us today. And I, and I think that's yeah, probably I mean, the biggest Achilles heel for anyone is, you know, the phone is constantly there vying for our attention. You know, you're, you're walking down the you know, you could be in the middle of a store, ding, your phone goes off. Oh, what's, who's that? You know, next thing you know, you're not paying attention, right? So it's not that you don't ever check it, but choose the time and the place to check it, right? Maybe with your back against the wall where you can see, right? And you can't be approached from behind if you're doing like this and somebody comes up behind you, for example. Well, I mean, I can tell you a quick story. So criminals love distraction, obviously. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have to distract you. But now these days, your phone is a distraction. So one time I was overseas and I was on the, the subway and I saw this woman get off and she pulled out a map, you know, so it was very obvious she was a tourist. And I saw this guy come up to her and then I was watching, you know, I'm always observing, I'm watching this other guy and they're clearly, clearly uh, working together in tandem. So he came up to her as if he was going to give her directions. You know, the other guy moves to pick her pocket. Now I saw the whole thing going on. So I went and helped the woman, you know, she didn't end up getting pickpocketed. But it's simple things like that. You know, maybe it is only a pickpocket who's trying to distract you, but maybe it's someone who's going to put a hood over your head and, you know, throw you in a car and kidnap you. So you've got to avoid distractions at all costs, whatever they may be. And, uh, and it's obviously going to be tougher to pay attention, especially when you're in unfamiliar territory, because Mm -hmm. now you don't know what's going on. So like when you're on vacation and that's kind of a good, I guess we could kind of even talk about that a little bit because, you know, as we're, as we're doing this episode, uh, it's the tail end of summer. And, you know, people still may be going on vacation, going away, but even so, people travel all the time. Now, maybe we haven't been traveling quite as much anymore with the whole, you know, COVID-19 thing, but you still travel. And when you are traveling to places that are not familiar to you, I know I, for one, and people kind of look at me funny when I say this, but I mean, if I'm going somewhere, let's say I'm going to, uh, it could be just vacation, right? I'm going to a hotel. Well, I'm going to try to pull up that hotel's information online before I get there. I want to know what streets are around. Are there any obstructions around, either natural man-made barriers? Uh, you know, can I find out the layout of the hotel so I know where the emergency exits are once I get there? 
and it takes you all at 10 minutes, 15 minutes to, to research some of that stuff. But now you've got a much better idea of the place that you're going to than someone else. And it could be for vacation. It could be for work. You could be going to a conference, right, to a big convention hall. Well, some of those places are literally mazes. And if you're not familiar with it, when you first get there, it's very easy to get turned around and disoriented. And it's like, next thing you know, you're walking past the same thing again. It's like, oh, wait, I thought my car was that way. So just familiarizing yourself with places that you go before you get there can really help you in a big way, God forbid something happens, whether it's a problem from you know an active shooter or some other man-made problem or a natural disaster. You know, it could be something as simple as, you know, a power outage, but it could be, you know, a hurricane. It could be a snowstorm. It could be anything that could disrupt the normal flow of your travel. And so you got to know, you know, what's around, where can I seek shelter, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, so, you said it perfectly is we can, we are so blessed slash spoiled to be in a day where 10 minutes of internet work can do, you know, tell you everything you need. So one of the companies I own is an executive protection company. We do bodyguard work for celebrities, musicians, athletes. And so when you're doing that, you do advanced work. As you said, you go scout the hotel, you scout the location, you see if there's any construction, see if there's anything that, you know, looks like it's going to be a problem. Well, we can do that for ourselves. You know, we don't have to go pay a bodyguard a, a boatload of money. And funny enough, a while back, I had a relative and she was using Airbnb for something. I don't personally use Airbnb, but she was using it. And it turned out her Airbnb was in a really bad part of town, like really unsafe. This is a single woman. And she was like, I didn't even end up staying there. You know, I ended up getting a hotel somewhere else. And I was thinking like, before you book an Airbnb or hotel, you should probably check out the neighborhood. You know, we can all look at the satellite images. We can all look at, you know, the area. We can all see the reviews by, you know, hey, this is great or hey, this is a dump. So it really is no excuse to end up staying in some dangerous location or dangerous hotel these days. Absolutely. And it, it, like you said, it is a blessing and a curse, right? You have the information at your fingertips, but so do the bad guys. <laughs> so not always a good thing. Uh, so what else? Uh, I mean, so that's, that's really interesting information. I hope everybody is... Uh, you know, making note of that, you know, of what an SDR is and how you can possibly use that no matter where you're at. It doesn't have to be necessarily when you're driving, but it could even be, you know, just when you're it could be in the grocery store, you know, you never know. You think you have a suspicion that somebody is, is following you, you know, do a few things that will sort of hone that in for you and, and let you know whether or not it's actually a problem or is it just coincidence, you know? Uh, what else you got for us, Jason? Well, I mean, uh, you know, another simple one is, I love gear. I'm a gear junkie. And, oh my. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the wonderful things about not only being a Boy Scout early on, but working with the CIA is it teaches you preparedness to an extreme. So you have backups to the backups to the backups. So, you know, I've got a year's supply of food storage. Actually, I about, have about a year and a half. You know, I've got water stored for weeks. Um, you know, I got four flashlights on my nightstand because on my nightstand is my little safe with my gun on it. Now, you know, I have four because I like flashlights, but if one of the batteries dies, miraculously, I've got three others if I need to grab my flashlight. So, I, I, you know, one of the things I do is helping people get, uh, excuse me, people get prepared. And I'm always amazed when someone's like, hey, I got a flat tire and I don't have any, you know, I don't have anything to change my tire. Hey, I don't have my jumper cables. So I've got vehicle survival kits. I got bug out bags. I've got all that. And obviously not everybody has to go to the extreme I do or nor they want to go to the extreme I do but at least have, you know, at least one backup for what you need. So I'm huge into being self-reliant. I'm always amazed at when people are like, hey, I don't have any more batteries in my house, or, you know, I only have three days worth of food, 
And, you know, I freaked out when COVID-19 hit because the grocery store shelves went empty. Now, when the grocery stores went empty for me, you know, a while back, I didn't need to go to the store. I didn't freak out. I could have sit, you know, sat in my home fat and happy for a while. So I would just encourage people to like inventory their home, inventory their cars and be like, hey, what do I need to add? So I'm more prepared. So I'm more self-reliant. So I have backups because I think that's one of the easiest things to do because you can buy everything on Amazon these days. But so many people just lack that basic preparedness to be able to weather a storm. And, you know, I think the whole coronavirus lockdown really shed a light on some of that. And, and that, I think, was something good that came out of it is that people realized, oh, my God, I'm so dependent upon the supply chain and going to my grocery store for just the basics. Whereas if you were more of, of a, you know, a prepper or somebody who's a little bit more prepared, you know, and, and the word prepper has you know, negative as well as positive connotations to it. But I mean, I'm a self-proclaimed prepper. I am, I'm like you. I've got bug out bags for each person in my family. I've got one in each person's car. My kids' cars have, you know, their vehicle kits with, you know, uh, the jumper cables and the flashlights and the road flares and uh, water filtration and candy bars and stuff like that. So, you know, a blanket. Because if you're caught in your car in a snowstorm and they shut the highway down and you're stuck in your car for eight or 10 or 12 hours and you have no gas, well, you better have a blanket to keep you warm or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And so simple things like that, people don't think about, you know, same thing with food storage and, and water storage. You know, you should definitely have food, not just for three days, which is the minimum, but for at least a couple of weeks. And I'm like you, I've got food at home for months. And my wife's like, why do you have to have all this? I'm like, because honey, you never know. I remember Y2K and I'm sure you do too. And I mean, that's kind of what set me on the path to sort of become someone who is a bit more prepared than the average person. Because I saw, oh my God, if this whole computer thing really blows up and all of these systems stop functioning, we are going to be in a world of hurt. So, I mean, I went out and I bought a generator and, you know, I bought all these other things to help prepare for that. Now, thank God that didn't come to fruition the way that, you know, it could have, you know, we really dodged, I like to say we dodged a missile, not a bullet at Y2K. But, you know, that sort of set me on that path. And then, you know, as time has gone on, I've done more and more about it. Like you mentioned batteries. I've got hundreds of batteries in my house. I have thousands of rounds of ammunition. Like these are things that you, if you you do things over a period of time, it doesn't have to end up costing you thousands of dollars all at once. Every time you go to the store, you buy a few extra things, whether it's an extra pack of batteries or, you know, an extra pack of, of whatever it happens to be, you know, one week it's, it's your toiletries and your toothpaste and your deodorant. And then the next week you're buying some other things, right? So, it's something that is simple for people to do, but most people don't think about it because they think, ah, oh, well, if I need something, I just run to the store. That's great as long as the store is there and they have what you need. So it's well, important. Well, I, I think one of the, the most important things you actually mentioned in there is generators. <clears throat> so, so many people don't have generators. And when I'm doing and working with people, I'm like, you've got to have your generators. So I live in Utah where we get some pretty bad windstorms, where we get a bunch of snow so the power can go down. So again, what I do is overkill, but I've got a solar generator. That way, you know, I can throw out the solar panels because I'm in Southern Utah. We get a lot of sun. Mm -hmm. I have a propane generator. That way, you know, propane stores indefinitely. I have another fuel system and then I have a gasoline generator. So I've got three different generators. Some of them are huge. Some of them are smaller, more portable. But, you know, if anything happens, I'm going to be able to keep all my appliances running. I've got the different fuel sources so not that everybody has to go out and buy three generators, but at least have one, at least have a way to keep your lights on or keep, you know, medical devices running that need to be running no matter what. 
Sure. And then you can, you know, you can do some other things uh, like, I mean, you could buy these small little solar panel rechargers for like your phone. So yeah. if you don't have electricity to charge your phone, well, we all know that, you know, this is how we stay in touch. And most people don't even have landlines anymore. So if you have a cell phone and the battery's dead and you have no way of charging it, now you're really out of touch. Not to mention any other devices you may have that require, you know, recharging, you know, whether it's radios or, or phones or speakers or whatever, you need to have a way to do that. So yeah, I've, I've got some solar ones. I have the, a gas generator. I don't have three generators. You two upped me on that one there, Jason. <laughs> but um, but re- like you said, redundancy is absolutely essential because it's Murphy's Law, right? If you've got one item and it breaks, you're screwed. At least if you've got two and one breaks, you've still got another one and now you can you can operate. Like even going back to like flashlights, I'm, same thing. I've got a couple of flashlights right by the bed, super bright, strobe function. Somebody comes in there, the firearm's there, the, the, the flashlight's there, you blind them, they don't comply. <laughs> you know, you gotta make some, some other decisions then. So, uh, these are sometimes uncomfortable topics. You know, people don't like to talk about it. They don't like to think, oh, it's not something I need to worry about. It's never going to happen or it's not going to happen to me. But you and I well know that anytime anybody has ever become a victim or they've ever had some major problem in their life, whether it's, you know, being stuck, you know, caught in a natural disaster or something like that, or, or you know, in a building where there's an active shooter or some sort of workplace violence event, they all say the same thing. I never thought it would happen to me. I never thought it would happen here. And, you know, I'm here to tell people, no, it can happen there. It can happen to you. And yes, it might be a little uncomfortable, but you don't need to freak out about it. You don't need to become paranoid about it. What you need to do is be prepared because when you're prepared, guess what happens? The stress levels come down because you're prepared. If something happens, no big deal. I've got food. I've got water. I've got a flashlight. I've got this. I've got that. And you don't have to stress out about it. If you don't have those things, now's when people really start to freak out. And so it actually helps reduce stress when you're more prepared. And that's what you know. I think is something that really needs to be hammered home with a lot of people. Don't ignore the problem. Deal with it. But don't deal with it in such a way that it's going to stress you out you know, and freak you out. Deal with it in a realistic way, okay? Take a look at where you live in the country. What are the things that like you mentioned Utah? Windstorms and snow. Okay, great. Well... Maybe if you live in Florida, you don't have either one of those problems, but you got to worry about hurricanes and floods, right? So no matter where you live, you know, it could be California, it could be wildfires, okay? So we, have, we all have all these things that no matter where you are, whether you work, uh, uh, where you live, or maybe even where you go to school, right? You go across the country from where you normally live, you're on the East Coast, you go to school on the West Coast, you're going to have a completely different set of potential scenarios you should prepare for when you're away from home. And so it's important that people realize that and and act upon it and, and don't ignore it and just, you know, kind of bury your head in the sand. So very, very good points there. Uh, so speaking of yeah, travel. No, I, I 100% agree with you. It gives you a tremendous peace of mind. It, it really does. And, and that's no, what go ahead, Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's a, that's just what it's all about, right? I mean, if you can rest easy and you don't have the levels of stress that everybody else around you is feeling, that's a really good feeling. It's like, well, you're stressing, I'm not, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I'll help you if I can, but I'm not gonna, you know, don't look at me to be the savior of everybody. You know, so you kinda gotta, you weigh that, you know, and hopefully you've got some cool neighbors and you can kind of form a little coalition. Like luckily I do, I've got a really cool mm-hmm. uh, set of neighbors around by me who live on a cul-de-sac. I recently put up a video surveillance system on the house just because of what's been going on. It's something I wanted to upgrade my system for a while, which I've done. And, uh, 
you know, just little things you can do over time. Again, people sometimes get overwhelmed with how much money, you know, they start sitting down and going, okay, I need to buy this, I need to buy this, I need to buy this, and I do buy this. And then by the time they're done with their list, it's $5,000. And they're going, how can I afford this? I don't have an extra five grand sitting around that I can just, you know, buy all this stuff with. So chip away at the stone, mm-hmm. pick a few things, buy stuff, you know, do it every month, you know, month one, you know, September, choose, uh, you know, to, to build up this supply, October, choose to build up this and November. And before you know it, six months down the road, you got a lot of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so we're talking about traveling a little bit. Um, Give us a, a travel hack, you know, maybe a, a spy travel hack, something that uh, people who travel a lot or maybe are going to start getting back into doing more traveling, whether it's for business or, or pleasure, uh, could maybe take uh, and utilize to, you know, become safer during their travels. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you a few kind of travel tips uh, for hotels. That, that's what we'll cover. Um, one is when I stay at a hotel, I like to stay between floors three to six. So you don't want to stay on the first floor because heaven forbid you're in a bad place and there's some kind of bomb that goes off. You know, somebody drives up a car or that kind of thing. You know, the first floor is going to be most damaged. Um, Also, the reason to stay between three and six is if you go past six in the United States, most fire truck ladders will not go past the sixth floor. So if you get trapped on floor 77, well, then that's a long way down to get to safety. If there's a fire, if there's some kind of terrorist attack. Um, another very simple thing you can do is, of course, we have the, uh, you know, do not disturb signs on your hotel. But if you want to see if, you know, anybody's been in your hotel room, just take a small piece of paper, put it in the uh, door as you exit where the hinges are. And you can memorize, hey, I put the piece of paper here. or Hey, I put it folded this way. And if you come back to your room and that piece of paper is on the floor, well, then somebody's obviously been in your room and you may not want to go in there. You may want to go get management or something like that. Um, other things, you know, we do again, we want to make sure nobody's been in our room or looking around. So if we have maybe a laptop in a suitcase, I will close my suitcase and note the exact place I put the zipper or how many zipper lengths. Maybe I'll leave it just slightly apart by two inches and I'll put like a pen or a piece of paper on the top or something. And, you know, I do stuff like that, where if that zipper is moved, not the exact place I had it, or if that pen and piece of paper, which is perfectly laid at an angle for a specific reason, if I have that move, well, then again, I know somebody's been in my room. No, I, I, I do similar things. And, you know, people may think, well, that's kind of weird, but no, it's not. It's called safety. It's called awareness and it's called doing something really small. I mean, we've seen in the movies, right, where... You know, they'll, uh, somebody will tell you, pull a piece of hair out. You know, my hair's not too long. I probably can do it with mine. But, you know, they pull a piece of hair out and they'll, they'll like, wet the sides and they'll put it, you know, across the door. Like you right. say, like in a hinge. And then if they somebody opens the door, well, that hair is going to break or fall and they're going to see it. So, I mean, I, I love that example that you use. Just use a little piece of paper or something, put it in the door hinge. If it's not there when you get back, you know somebody's, you know, been in a room. And you could take it, of course, a step further by securing the individual items in the room. I, like, for example, I mean, I always use the safe that's in the room. So, and they're usually a decent size, you know, so if you've got a laptop or something, you could put in there or extra cash or things that you don't want to have laying around or, you know, carrying around with you as you're maybe going out to breakfast or something like that on vacation. So, you know, take advantage of those safes. Uh, but then also if things that don't fit, like you said, you can do little things that, you know, will trigger you to know whether or not something has been tampered with. And if you can't remember it, well, that's what you got your cell phone for, right? Make a little note in your cell phone. You know, I did this, I did this, I did this. When you come back, you know, it's like, what did I do? Oh, yeah. Is it like that? Yep. Is it like that? Yep. Is it like that? Yep. Okay, cool. You know, 
And so, again, going back to the peace of mind thing, there's, there's nothing better than having peace of mind. And if you don't, well, at least the sooner you realize that there is a potential problem with, you know, where you are, uh, the better, because now you can act accordingly. So a couple of good uh, good tips there. Yeah, for, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll tell you quick. Sure, go on. Well, I was going to say, one of the most important things, too, is when you're traveling is, and this, again, common sense, is not telling everybody your plans. So uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story. There was this guy who was a wealthy guy I know. He was going over to Russia to fly the MiG jets. So, you know, that's kind of like a bucket list thing for many people. But anybody who's going to do that is obviously wealthy and has a lot of money. And this guy is a wealthy business owner. So he went over there. And of course, you know, we tell everybody, we tell our clients like blend in, you know, don't wear fancy jewelry. Don't mention that you have money. You know, you want to be as plain and boring as possible and keep your mouth shut. Well, this fellow went out to a bar one night. It was actually the night before he was going to go fly the jets. And there was a woman there that started hitting on him, paying a lot of attention to him. And she was, and he started spilling his guts being like, oh yeah, you know, I own this big business. I'm going to fly Russian MiG jets tomorrow, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, oh my gosh, you know, I've never met an American. I love Americans. Can we take a picture together? So she was a beautiful Russian woman. They take a picture together and he's walking back to his hotel and he's like, oh my gosh, I just broke every rule. You know, I'm an idiot. I told her I was, you know, rich. I told her I'm flying these jets. Like, you know, he's, he realized he screwed up. Well, the next morning he's coming out of his hotel and he's like, I screwed up. So I'm being ultra security conscious. I'm looking around, I'm scanning. And as I, as I leave the hotel lobby elevator, I'm looking around in the lobby and I see this guy with a phone in his hand and he keeps doing this. He's looking at his phone going all around like this. So he says, as soon as he spots me, he looks at his phone, looks at me and just puts his phone down and, you know, starts really acting really awkward. And he says, at that point, I realized that that woman took a picture of me. You know, they have my picture now. These guys were scouting me. That woman was a plant. And he was smart enough to immediately run back to his hotel, get some bodyguards to protect him, you know, make sure that everything was okay. And he did end up being safe. But had he not realized his mistake, he was walking right into a trap, would have been kidnapped, hopefully only kidnapped for ransom, but who knows what would have happened. So you just got to keep your mouth shut when you're traveling. Good point. And, uh, you know, what happens is alcohol loosens lips, right? So you're out at a bar, you start drinking, and especially, you know, if you're trying to impress somebody that uh, is attractive, you know, uh, you're going to try to impress them. And so you're going to say things that you probably should keep to yourself. And uh, like you said, luckily he realized his mistake, but obviously that guy sitting in the lobby was looking at a picture of him on the phone trying to see, okay, where's this guy? Where's this guy? And then when he came up, he knew who, you know, right away. And like you said, who knows what could have happened? It could have been kidnapped, could have been killed, you know, or or worse, you know, worse than being killed, but you know, I guess tortured and killed would be worse. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's scary. So you know, having that awareness and uh, and understanding, you know, there are reasons why you need to follow certain protocols with regard to your safety. And and traveling's a big one, like you said. You know, don't be flashy. Don't be flashing big wads of cash. Don't have tons of jewelry on, because I mean that sends up flags right there. Like, oh, look at this person. They obviously have money. Well, if that's a criminal element that's checking you out you could end up with a problem on your hands. And uh, if you're in another country, who knows what sort of laws you're gonna be dealing with and, uh, and how crimes are treated there. It may not be the same as your home country, whether or not that home country is the United States or not. 
You know, if you're from a foreign country in the United States, you're not going to be used to our laws and our traditions. So it works both ways in terms of how, you know, you know, things are where you are. So uh, one thing that I always tell people too is familiarize yourself with any sort of traditional customs in a country where you're going to, because they may be taboo or they may, you know, something that you really shouldn't do. Like, you know, in our country, for example, you know, you see a cute kid, oh, look at a cute kid and you tap him on the head, right? You do that in an Asian country, they freak. You don't touch kids on the head, you know? So there's like these little things that you don't know unless you do some research and make sure that you don't, I mean, at the best, embarrass yourself, but at the worst, end up with a major problem. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you another quick story. You know, it goes back to because I deal with a lot of businessmen and obviously men like beautiful women. That's no secret. But in so many places, these guys will go overseas and all of a sudden these women start hitting on them and they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. Well, no, it's not great because there are plants. So one time I was overseas with a bunch of guys, two beautiful women came up to us at the restaurant, started hitting on us. And one of the, and they invited us back to their hotel room. And one of the guys was super excited, like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing in the world. These beautiful women are writing us back. And I was like, you and I are not George Clooney. We're not billionaires. We're not rich. Two beautiful women just don't magically come out of the blue at a restaurant to invite a group of American men. You know, that's not how the world works. You know, best case scenario, they're going to take you back and just rob you and take your stuff. Worst case scenario, they're going to take you back and beat you to death. So it's just, the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, again, unless you are a movie star or a billionaire, that doesn't happen to the average guy overseas. Yeah, and you can't be too careful, especially when you're not in your home country. But you even have to be careful there as well. So when you're home, we talked about a couple of things, uh, you know, to being away and traveling and different things that uh, we can use to keep ourselves safe through either, you know, using surveillance detection routes or uh, making sure you've got survival kits and redundancy with some of the supplies and the gear that you have in order to make sure that you can be safe and have some peace of mind in the event of a problem. Uh, let's look at, at just like the home, for example, you know, because people are worried with riots and protests getting ugly. Uh, some of this leaving the cities and going to the suburbs. And I know a lot of people have mentioned to me that, that they're nervous, you know, and some are just downright scared to say, well, okay, is that going to happen where, where we live? And I, the answer is, quite frankly, I don't know. Have there been some, some protests around where I live here in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Have they been minor? Yes. Out in Pittsburgh, it's getting a little crazy out there. Obviously, you know, we've, and we've got Portland, and we, now we recently have Rochester having issues. And so we've, we have these things that happen. And so I guess probably one of the things that I'm seeing, and, and you may be as well, Jason, is uh, people are concerned about home invasions. So maybe we could start talking about that a little bit, you know, and how people can sort of keep themselves safe at home during, you know, times when there are, there are problems outside and they got to kind of hunker down. Yeah, I mean, I just remember criminals always scout the weak link. They always scout the easiest victim. So if a criminal's at the local mall and he's trying to find, follow somebody out to their car, he's looking and scanning as people are in that mall, like who looks like the easiest person to rob? Well, criminals do the same thing with your house. If they're looking at houses to do a home invasion, they're scouting a neighborhood saying, which is going to offer me the path of least resistance? So you obviously want to make sure your house is not the path of least resistance. So for my own home example, I have security cameras. So I have cameras all over my house. I have a nice big alarm sign in the front yard to let people know we have an alarm system. I have motion sensor lights and I have solar motion sensor lights. 
So if the electricity goes out, I don't want my home to be totally black if somebody's creeping around my area, which is why I've got solar motion sensor lights because they're going to go on no matter what. Now, in addition to all that stuff on the exterior, I'm a gun owner. So on my nightstand, I have a small rapid access safe because I still have young kids. So all my guns are locked up. But I have a safe that I can open literally in less than three seconds. I got my flashlight. I got my gun. Now, ideally, if something happens, like you said, you're going to hunker down. Police are going to get there and no, no shots are going to have to be fired. But you always you know, plan for the best and prepare for the worst. So if someone chooses to make the very poor life choice of coming in my front door, they will be met by several rounds of bullets to protect my family. And I, you know, I think the funniest thing is there's that sign, which I've seen, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like a meme where it says, Hey, my, you know, I have guns, but my neighbor doesn't believe in the second amendment, that old joke. So they go to the neighbor, you know, I'm, I'm very pro second amendment. I'm going to make sure, you know, I tell everybody I have guns. I'm not hiding the fact, you know, I'm again, I'm telling it you right here, right now is that I pray that I never have to use it. I pray that I never have to take a human life. But obviously, I'm not going to let somebody kill my wife and kids. So I think it's just important to have some way to defend yourself. Not everybody believes in guns. Well, have a knife, have a baseball bat, have a golf club, have a stun gun, have a taser, have something. Because at 3 a.m., if your front door is getting kicked in, that's not the time to sit and freak out and be like, what am I going to do? That's the time to grab your weapon and defend yourself. So have some type of home defense plan. You know, mine is basically grab my gun. My wife calls 911 and I deal with the intruder. Um, you know, whatever your personal plan is, but have something so that you know exactly what you're going to do if your alarm goes off. And the advantage to, you know, you being the homeowner is that you know your home, but you also have to know the right way to go through your home and to move through your home and to clear your home. So if somebody is in there and you're not quite sure, you know, you have the advantage, as I said, of, of knowing the territory, whereas they do not. And, also, you know, a lot of people are not comfortable with, with firearms, and so that's fine. But what I tell people is you've got to have some kind of distance weapon. The easiest one is a defensive flashlight with a strobe light function. Because if you blind somebody, they can't see you, they can't get to you, they can't react if you take away their, their ability to see you. And then, of course, pepper spray is a great one. I know you're a big fan of pepper spray as well. Pepper spray or bear spray or, or wasp spray, anything, anything like that where you can... Again, it's a distance weapon. You want to deal with the intruder or the perpetrator or the criminal from a distance because once they get to you, now it's on. Now it becomes a matter of who has skills, who's bigger, who's stronger, and that all comes into play. You want to keep that person at bay. You do that. I call it the, my one-two punch, right? Use the defensive flashlight so now you're strobing, they can't see, gives you a chance to take out the pepper spray. Now you spray them right across the forehead, side to side, drips in their eyes or across their eyes. Right? If they got glasses on, you hit the forehead, drips in. <laughs> Little tip. But you, uh, you want to use that. You, know, you want to keep them far away. People are like, oh, you know, if I'm getting attacked you know, in a parking lot, I'm going to take my keys and I'm going to put them in my hand and the keys will be there. Okay, great. But now you're dealing with that person one-on-one. -on -one. If they're much bigger and you swing and you miss or you swing and they smash your hand and the keys go flying, now what? You have nothing. So you've got to use you know, defensive weapons that are distance weapons. You know, Obviously, a firearm is the ultimate distance weapon, right? A rifle or even you know, <laughs> shoot them as they're, they're coming mm -hmm. in. But for those people that aren't comfortable with that, and there are plenty of people that aren't, you have to come up with some other plan that's going to keep you safe. You have to have a way that... Uh, to know where to retreat 
into your home, what is the best position to retreat to where you can escape if necessary, but you can, you know, you kind of can funnel anybody who's coming in into a, a certain area so that they can only get to you maybe one at a time. So you can deal with people one at a time. So are there all these different things that you can do, but you have to get trained on it. And if you don't have the training, get educated and begin that, that process to find out, hey, what am I comfortable with? How can I obtain it, purchase it, and then be trained with it so that I can feel comfortable in my own home and if something happens, I can protect myself because, hey, by the time somebody's kicking in your front door at 911, those cops are three, four, five, six minutes away. That's a lifetime when you're trying to defend yourself or your family or, or you know, fight for your life. Uh, my first book is called, um, you know, uh, The Self-Defense Survival Guide, How to Fight When You're Fighting for Your Life, How to Survive When You're Fighting for Your Life. Because there's no rules and you've got to be able to make that commitment 100% in your mind. You know, I talk about the warrior mindset where you've got to go over, under, around, or through whatever obstacle standing in your way. And if you can't bring yourself to use the knowledge or the gear or the weapons or whatever that you have at your disposal or the te techniques that you've been taught, it's useless. So it has to start up here. Then it has to, and then you deal with the skills and the things that you can use to protect yourself. And it's essential to do that because, uh, you know, it's our own personal responsibility to protect ourselves, right? I mean, first and foremost, you're responsible for yourself. The police are there to help you as well, but they carry a gun to protect them, not you. <laughs> you know, people don't realize that. Well, you know, somebody comes, the police will come and they'll shoot them. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe they have enough time, maybe they won't. So these are all, you know, important questions that, may, that people have to answer and if they don't know the answers, they have to go learn them and find out and talk to professionals like you, like me, like others in their community um, and get some information about how they can protect themselves, especially at home now. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, I think the personal responsibility is a huge thing. Is, as I mentioned, my very first job out of college was out of, as a police officer. And, you know, everybody's like, yeah, the police are just going to come take care of this. So, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a, a very quick, sad story. So, this was years ago. Um, a woman came to one of my gun training classes and she said, Jason, I used to hate you. I used to think you were terrible teach people how to use guns. You know, I used to think guns were evil. And so she kept saying all this. And I said, well, and she said, <clears throat> she lived in a rough area of town inside the Washington DC area. And she said, someone broke into my house and raped me. And the rapist was long gone by the time police got there and I could call police. And she said, I realized as a single woman that I need a gun to protect myself. And I thought, what a horrible way to realize that, you know, a gun is a great way to protect yourself. But that's what it took for that woman to finally realize I need a gun in the home. So it is, you know, no one is going to save us. The cavalry comes after the facts, you know, when something has happened. So, yeah, you've got to be able to take care of yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, that's a, that is a, a sad story because the woman had to experience something very traumatic. Luckily, she was left with her life. But mm -hmm. that experience was something that finally was the thing that that kind of woke her up to the fact that she needed to do something proactive to defend herself if necessary. And we all hope and pray that nobody else has to has to have that happen before they realize that their personal safety is their own responsibility. And I think we're seeing that more and more, again, going back to current events and what we've seen happen during this year is there is such a disregard for law enforcement right now. And, you know, you being a former police officer, I, I thank you for your service and also for your service as, as an officer in the CIA. 
and I'm sure everyone else does as well. But we see how law enforcement now is being demonized and people wanted to fund the police. And it's absolutely insane. Could you imagine if there was no police and they replaced that with some sort of civilian, you know, social worker force that comes, you know, to you and tries to, you know, talk down the criminal? Like, you really shouldn't be robbing that house or you really shouldn't be robbing that person or you really should put down that gun. That doesn't work. Those people are gone. They're, they're, they're acting in a way that the vast majority of us cannot fathom how that brain, their brain is working. They've decided for whatever reason to, to engage in, this, in some sort of criminal activity. Sometimes they can be talked down, I guess you could say, from it, but other times they can. And if somebody is actively hurting or killing people, you've got to act decisively to stop that threat as quickly as possible. And you can't just sit and wait back for somebody to try to convince someone to stop doing something. And it's a scary, you know, proposition, but it's also one that I think we're seeing more and more uh, people are starting to realize, hey man, I better, you know, get some training. I better learn how to protect myself. I'm seeing that happen with my martial arts business. Um, I've just started offering some free workshops for people to, to, to gauge interest in who may be interested in learning more about like home invasions or, or learning how to handle firearms and, and learning, you know, some other defensive methods. Uh, there's a, a free guide I wrote, um, uh, everyday um, items for um, concealed carry. And it's not just about guns, but it's about everything else from sap caps, the monkey fists, the canes. People are going, what are those things? <laughs> Get the link uh, and, uh, and I'll, it'll tell you. But there are a lot of different things that you can use to protect yourself. And at the end of the day, it is up to you uh, and not somebody else. So um, we're, we're cranking through here, Jason. Uh, but before uh, we do wrap up, I do want to uh, ask you a couple other quick questions. Uh, what, in your opinion, is some of the biz- biggest threats that we face right now? Is what we're seeing you know, happen in cities across America or, or something else? So, yeah, I mean, it's internal. I mean, the, the biggest threat is communism. And I'm going to explain how, why our biggest threat is communism. So the Chinese are our number one adversary. So, you know, Russia's, you know, not far behind. There's North Korea. There's all the ones we know. But China's goal is to obviously spread communism around the world. And they do it in the U.S. They're, you know, actively doing it in the U.S. So everything that's going on right now with the violence, the protests, it really is communist based. And this isn't me spouting craziness or, you know, some theory. But I'll, I'll tell you quickly the way it works is first you go to the universities so I can tell you for a fact that universities, we already know they're very liberal, but they, they have communist plants in there who are trying to brainwash the young students, who try to recruit them to work for China and spy on the United States. So they started the university level. Of course, they're doing it in corporations, but what they're doing now is spreading it to local governments. So, hey, if I can take local governments over in Portland and Minnesota and you know, small towns in New York, et cetera, et cetera, So everybody thinks it's just random violence. Everybody doesn't realize that it really is a huge bubble and that all these liberal professors, all these liberal mayors are being played like a fiddle by bigger forces. And again, this isn't some crazy person theory. So, you know, social justice sounds like a good term, but really what it is, is how do we spread communism? How do we get the people to lose freedom? How do we get the American public to give up their Second Amendment rights? You know, we convince, we brainwash professors, we brainwash the media, we brainwash local politicians who aren't very smart and just want to get reelected. And they think they're, you know, we tell them it's a good cause, but really we're trying to spread the communist bottom line. So I know that's kind of a a big heap, a big leap for most people to take 
but that is our biggest threat that is taking place as I speak right now. And it, it is happening, like you said, very insidiously because we, you're seeing it happen, like you said, at the, at the local levels and people are being fed this diet of everything can be free, free education, free healthcare, free this, free that. Well, that's socialist communist, you know, agenda. That's, that's what they want to do. And they want it. They, they can't control the United States until they do that. And I think, like you said, talk about brainwashed, right? I think this election is going to is be between the brains and the brainwashed because people that watch, watch major media, the, the vast majority of, of the media out there has a single narrative. And that is to, to get rid of the current president, Donald Trump, who has done an amazing job for this country, but yet they cannot acknowledge a single positive thing that he's done because they are so blinded by hate. And they take these different viewpoints that and feed it to people. Like you said, it, it, it started in universities, it's infiltrated to local governments, and it's, try, and it's, it's infiltrating into the, into the federal government as well with, with the radical left and the squad. And when they speak and they, they talk about what they want to do, it blows my mind. And I'm like, how could anybody in their right minds actually agree with these people? How do they get voted into office in the first place? It's scary. I mean, we've heard, you know, Bernie Sanders say about Joe Biden that, you know, he's the most, you know, if he's elected, he will be the most radically, you know, progressive president ever. Well, I don't want that. I value conservative values. I value the Constitution. I know you do. And I know the vast majority of law-abiding citizens do as well. We don't want to see things change. This is the greatest country in the world for one reason, and that is because of the, what the founding fathers did and how they structured it and realized they looked at all the problems that all these other countries or um, civilizations had over, the, over many, many years and said, well, why did they fail? And they built in safeguards to enable us not to fail, hopefully. But as these as our first and our first amendment and second amendment rights are eroded freedom of speech has become crushed you've got all these technology giants suppressing whatever they feel like and only putting out a certain agenda so i'm very worried about the direction that this country has taken and i'm sure you are as well which is why we do things to prepare and you know we're not trying to scare people but you have to look at what sort of country do you want to live in going forward? Not just for the next four years, but the next 40 years or 400 years. Do you want a country that values the freedoms and the things that made this country great that were founded on? Or do you want to go down the route of a country that just gives people things for nothing, suppresses entrepreneurship and free enterprise, punishes those people until everyone is dependent on the government? And that's essentially what they want. I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. You know, blood, sweat, and tears goes into your business. And we love it. We thrive on it. We enjoy it. And it gives us a sense of satisfaction. I can't sit at home all day and just collect a government check and feel good about myself. I don't see how anybody could. So I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent. But at the end of the day, you know, it is a, a very, very, this is, this is absolutely the most important election of our lifetimes. I thought 2016 was, uh-uh, not even close. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months. I mean, with less than you know two months till election day, essentially, uh, what's going to happen at that point and beyond? And you know, we could all sort of speculate what we think is going to happen. And I've got my own ideas. Maybe you and I'll talk off air <laughs> after this for a few minutes. Um, so I don't know. It's it's just very scary. So to sum up for our listeners, and uh, I didn't really pop over. I'm going to do this uh, share the screen here. Um, so people can see 
this that are watching, but we're also going to talk about um, your website here is a spyescapeandevasion.com. So Jason, through his company, basically shares little known spy secrets, some of the ones like we talked about on the show today that the average American can use to stay much safer and better prepared to, you know, to deal with this, you know, crazy, unpredictable world that we're all living in, you know, right now. So uh, the uh, the website um, that uh, Jason has is spyescapeandevasion.com. He's got lots of uh, really good articles on here. I was looking through the, uh, through the site over the last uh, week or so before our interview. Uh, lots of good information here. Jason, can you sort of uh, leave our listeners with some final advice that uh, really should resonate with just about every American out there today? Hey, freedom is everything. Like, do not be afraid to promote freedom. Don't be afraid to wear that T-shirt that has Trump on it or has a gun on it. You know, we all know the uh, saying about good men staying silent. So I think people just need to continue to speak out, not be afraid to teach the young people what freedom is, not be afraid to teach what, you know, the Constitution truly means. So, and obviously get out there and vote. I mean, that's critically, critically important. In person. Yeah. So if I could leave anything to people, it's don't be afraid to teach others what freedom is and to continue to speak your mind about freedom. Excellent. And nobody should. I mean, I I probably wear my my Trump bracelet. I've got my wrong side. Uh, LearnSelfDefenseOnline.com shirt. It's one of my websites that I have uh, because I'm all about teaching people to stay safe, you know, any way that they possibly can, you know, whether it's through martial arts or through books and uh, other sort of educational materials. Um, so I understand you're not really on social media, uh, which, you know, I'm yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't do much. That is not my strong suit. So yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's fine. Uh, our listeners can connect with you. I, I'm assuming just through your website would be the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in uh, what you have. Yep. That'd be the easiest way to do it. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so again, thanks to uh, Jason Hansen for being here. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into safety talk. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and uh, get the latest safety news and information from safetytalkpodcast.com, where we listen to your favorite shows. And then, of course, links to videos of our shows also are posted on our YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com. So until next time, everybody, please, more than ever, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.